This is Fuse FM, Manchester's student radio. Good morning and welcome to elementary. This is probably Manchester's Hello. best student-run, science-themed radio show. Uh, this is our first ever episode, so we're very excited to be here. So I think we'll just kick off by uh, saying hello and uh, who we are. So over to you, yeah. Joe. My name is Joe Butt. Um, we're all studying science communication, so we just thought, you know, we might as well start a radio show and just, you know, give you weekly fix of science news and science topics and, you know, make sure it's fun and, yeah. Hi, I'm Karis and I'm excited and nervous to be here. So I hope you all enjoy the show and you're having a wonderful Friday morning. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm Fergus. Um, so, yeah, as, as Joe said, we're all on the science communication course, just started our master's in that. Um, so we're going to be bringing you a variety of different science topics. Uh, so this is our first show. So the idea of the th- show is that each week we will focus on a particular chemical element and we will be speaking about things relating to the history of the element, its discovery, its uses, anything that we think is kind of interesting to do with that element. And for our first element, for our first ever show, we thought we would go with what is obviously the number one element. I mean, it's literally number one on the periodic table. So we're going to start off with hydrogen. Um, So as I say, hydrogen, it's uh, number one on the periodic table. Uh, Just one single proton with an electron floating around it. Occasionally, there's one or two neutrons in there as well. But the, the simplest element there is. Um, but uh, because of that, it's actually really interesting. Um, and one of the possible uses uh, of hydrogen is as a fuel, as a clean fuel. Uh, so I think we're going to go over to Karis, who's going to chat to us a bit about that. So um, I'm sure you've heard of hydrogen fuel before. Um, it's often given as a good alternative to like, a normal combustible fuel. It can be used in bars, so it's given as an environmentally friendly alternative, obviously because it's completely non-toxic, it is abundant and it is renewable. Although this has a kind of caveat to it, all because the way we make hydrogen normally is not renewable. We normally use fossil fuels to make it, although it can be made renewably, though that's not exactly true. Um, when we use hydrogen fuel, we make electricity and just water as a byproduct, which is the real benefit to it, instead of re- uh, releasing carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases, things like that. It's also better than combustible engines and cars and stuff because it's more efficient. It goes directly from chemical to electrical energy, so it's two to three times more efficient than a combustible engine. Oh, that's really interesting. So uh, when are we all getting hydrogen cars then? Well, it's kind of more complicated than that because, mainly because, like most renewable energies, it's very expensive in every way. To make it renewably is expensive, then it's even more um, expensive to transport than a lot of um, like coal or oil or things like that. It's um, expensive to buy like a hydrogen car or to refill it. All that is um, going on but nowadays. They obviously. are they are looking into it though, aren't they? There's like like Toyota and stuff like that there. Yeah, obviously, as time goes on, it will become cheaper yeah. and more accessible to people. Um, At the moment, they're just like concept cars and stuff like that. So, Although there is other disadvantages to it. A big one being hydrogen's a combustible gas, and you don't want your car yeah. to blow up. <laughs> and uh, the hydrogen actually has to be kept really cold and uh, really cold and really pressurized. And if that doesn't happen, then it can increase the likelihood of an explosion. And I can imagine if you're in a car, then obviously the engine tends to get quite 
hot so trying to store it really cold in one place and then burn it in another place is going to be quite challenging i think we are having a few problems with caris's mic so if it keeps cutting in and out um then we're very sorry about please that. message them on facebook if it is really bad <laughs> please yeah. let us know yeah um and we'll we'll try and get that sorted out okay so yeah so hydrogen as a possible fuel um really interesting definitely a lot of technical uh challenges there but it's really interesting that it is something that yeah. people are looking and into i'm going to talk about how what happens when hydrogen goes wrong when it's used for transport in the past like there has been some issues with it before fantastic so uh yeah carry on listening yeah. and we'll get to that in a minute <laughs> okay on with the show great okay so now we're gonna have uh, a little bit of a game so this is a game that i like to call science fact or science fiction um, it's uh inspired uh actually i do have to give credit to my sister uh who has her own uh, radio show exeter university live if you're listening hi um this is basically a blatant copy of your two truths and a not um <laughs> but sciencey instead um so some more hydrogen facts or possibly not facts uh for you now okay so the first possible science fact with them right 90 percent of the visible universe is hydrogen what do you reckon science fact or science fiction 90 percent of, of the 90%. visible universe is hydrogen <sighs> that just sounds no. too ridiculous there's to no true. way it's 90 percent. i mean I, i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna say science fiction you're both saying science fiction. Yes. yes. Okie dokie. So that's actually a science fact. What? what? At least if you're if you're measuring by like numbers of atoms, then there's right. way, so way, very way more hydrogen than anything okay. else. Okay. okay. So if you if you're going by mass, then obviously hydrogen atoms are very light. They're the they're the, uh, they're the lightest atom there is, lightest element. Um. So if you're going by mass, then it's about seventy five percent of the visible right. universe. Okay. Uh, that's what I was going, going by. That's on, what I was oh, yeah, but, Sorry. I okay. Seven. So I should have clarified. Yeah. would that have made a difference then <laughs> no I maybe yeah. we can claim that it would have done uh, but yeah if you're going on like purely numbers of atoms um then about 90 percent is hydrogen 13 times as much hydrogen as the next highest which is helium All right. um so that the next uh, biggest element um and then obviously this also doesn't include uh things like dark mass and dark energy um, which actually make up quite a lot yeah, of way the stuff more than... in the universe. Well, yeah. yeah, but we we don't really know uh, what it is or how it works or, or what it's doing. Um, so that's why we say visible universe. Um, okay, next one: um, hydrogen and helium. So the two smallest, two lightest uh, elements were the only two elements created during the Big Bang, and all the others had to wait until much much later um for for stars to be formed and then they were they were formed right. in stars yeah but who would who would be able to know that who would be able to be like ah oh, hydrogen and helium were the only two during a big bang because i say so well if you could figure out hydrogen and helium were the only ones around for a while true, then true. i'm gonna say i, I want to say fiction again i'm gonna say fact okay so right. so Karis is going for fact and Joe's going for yes. fiction. Okay, that one is actually science fiction. Yes, so know. there was yeah. also so <laughs> it was it was predominantly hydrogen and helium, but there was a very small amount of lithium and possibly beryllium, depending on the source you looked at. Some right. said okay. some said Wikipedia. just a little bit of lithium. <laughs> some said possibly tiny trace amounts of beryllium. So they're, they're elements three and four. Um so there was there was very small amounts of other stuff. But then uh, most of the other elements then did have to wait 
until much, much later. So elements, uh, atoms uh, are basically created um, by fusing the smaller ones together yeah. in, in stars and uh, when stars explode and that sort of thing. Um, okay, Very finally, one, one more and then, and then we'll go into something else. Um, hydrogen is responsible for the sour taste of lemons. Hydrogen is responsible for... Right. Yes. Well, we've had one fact and one fiction, so yes. it could go fact. either way. Uh, I'll be fiction. I'll just go fiction. You're going <laughs> to say fiction. Carries, yeah. you said fact yeah. straight away. Why? Do you... Because um, lemons, hydrogen... I'm pretty sure I actually learned this because, you know, neuroscience degree here. <laughs> I actually learned that you taste through... I think it's through hydrogen um, ions. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, so <laughs> I did that um, module. I should have known. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, if a hydrogen atom, as I say, normally just uh, pr one proton in the middle with one electron whizzing around outside it, um, if it loses uh, its electron, it becomes an ion. So, uh, ions are things that are positively or negatively charged, whereas atoms are neutral. Um, so, it loses uh, an electron, it becomes a positively charged hydrogen ion, which is basically just just a proton, just a lone yep. proton on its own. Um, and hydrogen ions, or H plus ions, um, they are, uh, in most cases, basically what cause something to be acidic. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 so, yeah. acids uh, release H plus ions, and then your, your tongue tastes that as acid. Um, and I believe that acid comes from the latin for sour i think oh, that's right yeah. i'm sure someone will write in and, and tell me if i'm wrong yeah, uh, but one, of our, one of our many viewers will yeah, yeah. <laughs> listeners yeah okay great well so that was uh science fact or science fiction Brilliant. great okay um and i think before we go on to our next topic uh we're gonna do a few shout outs um so birthday shout out i've been talking for a while uh so someone else want to um, take a birthday shout out well we just want to say happy birthday to alice bats because, yeah, she wanted us to t say that on air, so we're saying that on air for her. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Happy yeah. birthday, Alice. So Alice is uh, one of our friends on the, on the uh, science also communication course. also is helping with the well. radio show. Yeah, well. absolutely. So it's not just us three. We've got kind yeah. of a, a whole team yeah. of people uh, behind us helping out. So thank you to, to everyone who's done stuff so far. Um, and also thanks especially to Jack... Um, who I, I only know as Jack, I don't know his surname, unfortunately, um, yeah, who designed our jingle, uh, which you heard at the beginning of the show, um, which I really like, actually. So I've actually found it. It's uh, I found his Facebook, I think, oh. if he doesn't mind, it's Jack <laughs> Monopoly. I think his last name is Monopoly. I don't know. <laughs> if it is, he that's wrote, absolutely yeah. amazing. It's surname. Anyway, yes. so thank you to Jack Beck's friend um, for making that jingle. And also been asked to shout out. So Jack is in a band, uh, the Jericho Racks. Um, so you should check them on out Spotify, on Spotify. Yeah. They're pretty good, actually. I was listening last night. Um, and we've got one more shout out, um, <coughs> which is that next Friday, which is the 8th. 18th of October as part of uh, Black History Month um, it is the uh, show racism the red card day so this is uh, kind of a sports uh, related is this across the whole uh, university thing um, yeah. so I think it's I think there's various things going on yeah. around the university yeah. but certainly here at Fuse FM um, we are taking part in this show racism the red card initiative um, so we'll all be wearing red uh, for our next radio show you obviously 
won't be able to see because that's how yeah. radio works. <laughs> but I'm sure there'll be um, uh, pictures on our Facebook and things like that. Um, so the idea is that everyone's going to rare red. Um, there's there'll be ways of donating. Red is my favourite money. Course, that, that helps. I actually yeah. don't own any red items of clothing apart from a fez. So I think you I'm, need to wear the fez. Then. I'm going to wear yeah. the fez, but <laughs> I might have to go out and find a t-shirt or something. Um, but basically, if you want to uh, get involved in this, I don't know if this is a notice for mm. us or for you, but anyway. If you want to be involved with this, then you should email Sasha at performingarts.fusefm.co.uk. And also, yeah, just just wear red um, next Friday. Go for it. 18th of October. Um, Yeah, and I think now Fergus is going to do a bit about stars. Yeah. Um, So our sun and other stars um, are predominantly made of hydrogen. That's why most of the stuff is hydrogen. Um, So all of the energy from the stars, from the sun, comes from basically a a process called nuclear fusion, uh, which is small light elements uh, being kind of glued together almost to form slightly larger elements. Um, So mostly in our sun, this is hydrogen, and in most stars, this is hydrogen being fused into helium. Um, And basically, when this happens, there's a slight change in the mass. So if you've got two hydrogen atoms, so it's actually uh, deuterium, which is a form of hydrogen which has an extra neutron um, in the nucleus. Uh, so rather than just being a proton with an electron whizzing around, you've got a proton and a neutron in the middle with still one electron whizzing around. Um, but two of these, you pop them together and then you get a, a helium atom. Um, and if you have, if you get the mass of the hydrogen or the deuterium and you times it by two and then you look at the mass of the helium, there's a slight difference, uh, which is quite surprising. Um, but that, basically, then? this is in the, it's what's called the binding energy. Um, of the the atom um, so basically uh, mass and energy are interconvertible um, in Einstein's uh, equation E equals mc yeah. squared we've probably yeah. heard of uh, that um, so energy classic. is mass times the speed of light c squared that's that's just a constant um, so energy and mass are interconvertible um, and when you uh, fuse hydrogen to make helium uh, there is this change in mass which is kind of being stored as the, as the binding energy um, and, and basically Basically, you've got you've got all this extra um, energy, which then gets released. Um, so the, the change in mass results in loads of energy being released, um, which is uh, you know the, the heat and the light that we see from the the sun. Um, and it's a good job that this works uh, because otherwise we wouldn't be around because all of our energy comes from the sun. Um, so. Thank goodness for nuclear fusion. Um, But what I really wanted to talk about was actually the discovery um, that uh, stars are mostly made of hydrogen and and some helium as well, Um, because this uh, wasn't always thought to be the case. Um, It was actually originally thought that the the composition of uh, the stars and the sun uh, was very similar to the composition here on Earth. And there was actually a theory that the Earth had basically been formed from like an outer layer of the sun, sort of peeling off and then yeah. just becoming the earth which sounds a bit strange to us but you know at, at the time in the sort of early 20th century this was this was kind of a thing that some people thought um so the the person um who discovered uh that uh the sun was actually mostly hydrogen with some helium uh was a woman named cecilia Payne, uh, and then when she married uh, a surname uh, became Payne gaposhkin 
I'm probably not saying that right. Yeah, it's quite a mouthful. Um, But anyway, yeah, so Cecilia Payne. um, So she was born 1900, right on the turn of the century. Um, She got a scholarship to uh, Newnham College, Cambridge. Um, So she went there to study. Um, Shout out to Cambridge. Yeah, shout out to Cambridge. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Yeah, if you didn't know, uh, I went to Cambridge. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Well, we managed to... last almost half an hour uh, with me without me sliding that in Um, (laughs) so there we go anyway so uh, scholarship to Newnham College Cambridge where she studied um, obviously was absolutely amazing uh, but didn't actually get a degree because back then women although they could go and study there they still didn't actually get awarded degrees (laughs) Um, so yeah hopefully that's not the case anymore no um (laughs) Uh, and then uh, she basically uh, won a, a fellowship um, to Harvard College in America that had been oh, wow. set up to try and get more women into astronomy. And she was the second woman to receive this. So that's, you know, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so she, uh, her PhD only took her two years as well. Wow. Uh, which is incredible. Ridiculous. Um, uh, so she, she got a PhD in astronomy, uh, which was looking basically at variation in stellar absorption lines. Um, so basically, uh, what these are is if if you get um, basically a, a heat source and it passes past another source, um, then basically what you can obtain is a sort of a, a fingerprint of the radiation and there'll be kind of characteristic bands missing. Um, so you'll have this spectrum and uh, it'll be sort of, uh, you know, coloured spectrum going through, but then there'll be uh, bands missing um, and okay. you can use this as a fingerprint to identify yeah. particular atoms uh, or molecules um, hopefully I've explained that well enough and basically what she, she realised was that um, different different patterns you get different patterns from different stars but she realised that this uh, wasn't due to there being different amounts of elements in different stars um, but it was due to there being different amounts of ionization so that yeah. process where electrons okay, yeah. get yeah. get removed or, or added to um, atoms at different temperatures and and basically the, the outcome of this was what she basically then found was because you can use these as fingerprints to identify particular uh, elements there was loads and loads and loads of hydrogen um, and quite a bit of helium and then not much of, of other stuff um, which was obviously quite different to the composition of of the of the earth where there isn't you know that much around um, so this was obviously you know well, quite surprising um, yeah. Yeah, yeah so this was this was a bit of a breakthrough um, and it, so it completely kind of contradicted the current thinking um, but un- unfortunately because of this um, when it came to her PhD being reviewed basically the people reviewing it kind of said oh you shouldn't you shouldn't conclude this because that's not what we think don't be silly stars aren't made of of hydrogen um so actually it's it's really quite sad you can uh, actually if you google it you can read her whole phd if you want um it's it's several hundred pages have you read long. it have you read it for um, yeah. i've not read the whole thing but i read a little bit of it right. and actually so she actually basically so she goes through and she does all this data um and and then she gets to the conclusion and then what she basically said is um this is right for everything apart from the amount of hydrogen and helium because clearly that's spurious um which is i thought really sad um (laughs) that in her own phd she kind of concluded that her own results were spurious which they absolutely weren't they were completely right uh basically a a few years later there was another astronomer um called henry russell um who published a paper basically four years after uh cecilia payne published her phd uh publishes a paper which gets the same results using a different method um and then everyone was like oh wow everything is hydrogen and helium a man yes exactly (laughs) Um, so, 
see, to be fair to him, he did kind of acknowledge Cecilia's earlier work in his paper, but still, at least at the time, he got a lot of credit because that was how the world worked. Yeah. Still works. Um, mm. Really annoying. Um, but anyway, so there we go. So shout out to Celia Payne, who was the first person to realise that stars are mostly made of hydrogen and therefore hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe, which I think is really cool. She was also, uh, she carried on in astronomy throughout her whole uh, career um, and she was the first woman to head a department at Harvard. Okay, so what we've got next? Uh, Joe, I think I'm it's gonna, over to you now, yeah, isn't it? I'm going to talk about some of the dangers of hydrogen. Um, so, I don't know if you guys knew about the Hindenburg German passenger airship, no? I think I vaguely remember yeah. learning about it at some so, point. So, basically, hydrogen's got a very dark side to it, so it's lighter than air, which makes things float, which is why they thought, you know, why don't we just use it in these airships, haha, <laughs> etc., and but they then realized that hydrogen is highly explosive and this in 1927 the german airship the hindenburg exploded on its attempt to dock in the morning mass after a transatlantic transatlantic journey which killed 36 people so sorry to that's a very uh grim um thing to talk about but yeah that's what happened with hydrogen and hydrogen's cousin deuterium and tritium called heavy hydrogen have been used to make hydrogen bombs so hydrogen bombs are thought to be more dangerous than atomic bombs um so they have a similar sort of mechanism. So I'll talk about a bit about that. So you've got um, hydrogen bomb detonate. It starts off the same way as atomic bombs. So you've got uranium-235 and plutonium. They split. Um, they re- and they release tons of energy in this split. And then, But then it, di- it differs because deuterium and tritium isotopes, uh, these form helium. And then this forms fusion. Forms fusion. Is fusion. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So you've got the two different types of uh, nuclear reaction there, basically, yeah. haven't you? So uh, yeah. when people think of nuclear bombs, they probably normally think about uh, uranium, uh, plutonium, those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so that's that's nuclear fission, which is big, heavy, unstable uh, yeah. atoms splitting up into smaller ones. Um, but then in hydrogen bombs, as as you said. Um, it, what you've got it starts off in the same way but yeah, then yeah, you yeah. use the energy produced by that to fuse hydrogen so the same uh well deuterium and tritium so yeah, the, the yeah, heavier yeah, yeah. forms of hydrogen the hydrogen with the extra uh neutrons in there um so you use the energy released from the fission uh to fuse hydrogen yes. into yeah. helium which then releases even more energy yeah and that's the same uh degrees celsius so it's 50 million degrees celsius which is the same temperature of the sun and that's why there's hence the name thermonuclear bombs because it's basically what's happening in the sun but on earth so um and also a three-stage hydrogen bomb is equal to 50 million tons of tnt so you can just imagine how destructive that could be um the first well i think i'm not sure if it's the first but one of the most famous examples of a hydrogen bomb was the sar bomber i think i'm saying that right um this was the soviets oh this was a Soviet hydrogen bomb, um, and it, yeah, it was known as Tsar Bomber, and it was apparently the most powerful nuclear weapon ever created. It was tested on ni- in 1961, um, and yeah, you can just imagine like the amount of devastation that would cause, and yeah, that's the, probably the most famous example of, uh, of a hydrogen bomb. But then, funnily enough, in 2017, you had North Korea doing some nuclear tests, apparently, and but no one's actually 100% sure if they did do the test. Apparently, they did. There was some earthquakes recorded. They say stuff. that they yeah, did, right? Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Um, other countries have tested. I'm not saying that it's just North Korea testing <laughs> hydrogen bombs. Other countries have tested it. 
But um, I just want to point. I mean, out... they've been used. Yeah, before, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I just want to point out a funny, <laughs> well, not well, a reaction that uh, Donald Trump had a reaction to it. So he wrote on Twitter that North Korea has conducted a major nuclear test. Their words and actions continue to be very hostile and dangerous towards the United States. And then Trump was asked whether the U.S. would attack North Korea, and he replied, "We'll see." And that, oh, that was his response. <laughs> and I just, I just love that response. But obviously, that was two years ago. So I mean, uh, obviously, nothing's happened. Thankfully, thank goodness. But, not yeah. yet. Anyway. Yeah, not yet. Anyway, we're not um, yet in the yeah. middle um, of a nuclear war. And that probably brings me round to everything I had to say about the hydrogen bombs at this moment. I don't know, Fergus, you've got. Uh, Nah, I yeah. don't reckon yeah. so. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was that was slightly depressing. Slightly depressing. Um, yeah. Let's. let's but yeah. So so there's a, a there's a dark side to hydrogen. It goes around being all small yeah. And, yeah. and and cute, and, and then the first element in the table. Dis- exactly. Yeah. But it's actually very destructive. It's yeah. caused a lot of death. Okay, uh, we've pretty much exhausted everything that we have to say uh, about hydrogen, um, but it's, it's pretty cool. There's quite a lot of history there, um, and yeah. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to do a different segment called In the News, which is where we just have Yay. a look at what's been going on in the news that's yeah. science-related at the moment. Um, so the first thing that I found, uh, which was uh, on uh, BBC, uh, it went on 17 hours ago, apparently, so that's like yesterday evening i guess very recent um and this is the fact um oh don't know what happened there um i think i've just unplugged my own headphones but that's fine i'll just carry on (laughs) anyway uh, and i'll fix it later um so we've uh discovered uh well not we uh some scientists have discovered us free yes um, yeah not us us, just to clarify but some of the we're very busy we're very busy usually um have discovered um a sort of natural uh medicine for bees in heather um so obviously uh Bees are sort of dying out at the moment, which is really sad, but also really dangerous uh, because they pollinate loads of different crops uh, and and plants and flowers and things like that, a lot of which are kind of really important to us humans. And also bees are really cute. They're just adorable. So, you know... Have you seen Bee Movie? Yes, (laughs) Yes. I have. Um, Interesting. 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 Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, he's uh, left speechless. I, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the B My movie? My thoughts Jay? are, um, it's not the best DreamWorks film, but you know, it it'll pass. It'll pass. You know, it's it's. Six I don't know how accurate ten. it is. I don't know how accurate it is, but you know, we'll leave it at that. Probably not very. No. Um, so anyway, yes. So uh, basically, uh, what this means is that we should all go and preserve heather um, in 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 the landscape uh, in in the wild, um, because basically, um, it, the 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 nectar uh, from the heather plant has this kind of natural bumblebee medicine, um, which basically helps uh, protect against uh, a parasite that the bees have. So uh, we should all be looking after the heather in order to look after the bees. It was also in uh, some other plants, so lime trees and strawberry trees, but, you know, probably don't have quite as many strawberry trees growing around uh, the Scottish (laughs) landscape or or Manchester or anywhere really here. Um, So save the heather, 
in order to save the bees, basically. Uh, so that was the first piece of science news that I found. The other bit of science news um, is obviously Nobel Prizes. Um, so the Nobel Prize for Chemistry um, was uh, announced a couple of days ago now, I think. Um, and it's gone to uh, three scientists who were involved in the production of the lithium-ion battery um, uh, and who've done, who did work to do with that. So... Um, We've been talking a little bit about yeah. ions, haven't we? So atoms that have had either extra electrons uh, given to them to make them negatively charged or electrons taken out uh, yeah. to become positively charged. So so uh, lithium uh, atom, if you uh, remove an electron from it, that becomes uh, Li plus, uh, lithium plus, um, and that is used in, in batteries, Am basically. Am I right in thinking he was the oldest person? To, did you say that? Arthur? You are correct, yes. yes. Um, so... Uh, uh, so there were three of them uh, who basically shared this Nobel Prize, uh, but one of them, John Goodenough, um, is uh, 90... John what, sorry? John Goodenough. That's his last name? That's his good enough, yeah. Um, so he, he has he has done good enough. Yeah, he did good enough, he got a Nobel Prize. Yeah, yeah I think that's um, good enough. It's good enough, yeah. But yeah, it's good enough. Uh, anyway, he's 97 years old. Wow. That's insane. Wow. That's... Oh my God. I can't remember uh, how old the, the previous person that was who was the eldest though. to win the Nobel impressive. Prize, but I think this is quite a bit of a jump. Um, so, so congratulations to John Goodenough and the other two, of course, as well, Stanley Whittingham and Akira Yoshino. Um, right. So they, yeah, they yeah. jointly uh, share the Nobel Prize in chemistry uh, for this development of the lithium-ion battery, uh, which is really cool. Yeah. Because we just we've wanna, had quite a lot of science. We just want to say how Friday to get morning. in touch with us, though. Oh, yes, yeah. we should do that first. Yes. Thank you for yeah. pointing that out. Right. Go on, then. Um, so, if you want to get in touch with us, please contact the Facebook page that we've got, Elementary FM. Uh, just type it in on the Facebook search engine. Yeah, Elementary Fuse FM. Oh, yeah. Elementary <laughs> Fuse FM. Okay, that's a yeah slightly important detail. And then, is there an email as well? Yeah, our email is elementary underscore fuse FM at outlook.com. Yep. So, if Excellent. you want to, I don't know if you want... Any suggestions on how we can improve or if you want to come on the show, maybe, as a guest. I don't know. If you've got something science-related to talk about, then that would also be a place to contact us. Yeah. yeah. So please do that. Um, also, I've just set up a Twitter account for myself. I have about shameless five plug. followers. Shameless plug. <laughs> so this is a, a shameless plug yeah. uh, to follow yeah. at Fergus Powell um, on Twitter. Um, and then I'll be posting science-related things and yeah. also stuff about elementary. Uh, but obviously there is the, the Facebook and the email as well. So if you've got any thoughts, any ideas, you want to correct anything that we've said that's completely nonsense um then facebook or email those yeah, yeah. are the ways to do it Brilliant. so uh we've been fergus joe and Karis. this has been elementary on fuse fm thanks very much for listening and have a wonderful friday goodbye <laughs>